Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. before we jump into this week's episode, I'd like to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send and receive money, invest in stocks, and trade Bitcoin. If you sign up with our referral code GMHRWQV, all you have to do is send $5 within the first 14 days of opening your account, and you'll get $10 back. When you use our referral code found in the description of this week's episode, you help support us, and you get $10 when you send $5 within the first 14 days. So download the app, use our referral code, and send $5 to get 10 Hello there. How are you doing? <laughs> starting <laughs> oh, off British. I like starting it. Starting off, well, like, I don't know. I don't know. You're the accent expert. Where's that from? Uh, accent expert. I wouldn't go that far. Wouldn't go that far? <laughs> no. You know more than me. That's true. I did take a whole uh, dialects course in college, so I should know, but I don't. So you're an expert. Like, yep, that's what I'm saying. It's just like I'm a physics expert because I took the first introductory class. Right. Right? Yeah. Sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. Today's Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. But, um, you know, Valentine's It'll Day, be... the day we're recording, but, you know, post for you. So. Yeah. Hope you had a good one. Yeah. <laughs> when you're listening. <laughs> anyway, um, I have a really exciting... Well, well, I hesitate to say exciting. It's not an exciting story. It's a really crazy story. It is, it is like, one of the... I don't even know how what, what to say about it. It's just, like... It is the, one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard of survival. And, like, this this woman did everything she could to survive. And it's just one of those, like, it makes you, it makes you like, shiver. shiver a little bit, you know? Goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm curious what the story is because you just, like, were so excited and then, like, came right back down well, and were, like, skeptical about well, no, the no, story. No. I'm excited because I like telling stories and I'm, I'm excited to, like, share a story with you. But it's not, like... A story that's it's 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 a hard one to listen to a little bit you know it's not fun well no it's it's incredible but it's not like a fun one you know it's not Anna Bag and Home but but um but yeah I do you mean Anna Bog and Home oh yes I've said that wrong corrected yeah on TikTok thank you (laughs) thank you TikTok for telling me how to pronounce things yeah (laughs) but actually before we jump in I would just wanted to say um at the beginning um if you guys have any stories of survival or, you know, any any crazy hometown things that happened to you or someone you know, please send us a story at knowtodaypodcast at gmail.com. We always say it at the end, but, you know, I'm sure not everyone gets there. Just plug it. Right yeah, here. so might as well say it at the beginning because we would love to do a listener's episode. And we actually got our first... We're close. Yeah, we got our We're first um, story in, in our Gmail, which was so exciting. Um, and we'd love to hear more. So if you if you want to hear them, send them in and we'll do some some episodes. Um, yep. But yeah, anyway. So today I'm going to be talking about Lisa McVeigh. And before I jump into the story, I just want to give a quick uh, trigger warning. This story does com- contain sexual abuse, rape and suicidal ideation. So if that's not something that you'd like to listen to today, that's totally fine. Just come back for the next one. Um so my sources, I got uh, a lot of my information from an interview done with Lisa, um, done on AETV, and there's also um, an entire like documentary style episode of um, I Escaped My Killer, which is like season one, episode one is all about Lisa McVeigh. So uh, it is 
both are good sources. Check them out if you want to read more or hear more. But anyway, so Lisa McVeigh didn't have a very good childhood. By the time she was two years old, the abuse against her began, and she was two? living... Yeah, two. Oh, God. Yeah, so she was living with her single mother at the time who was suffering from drug and alcohol addiction. Um, they didn't have much money at all, and for a time, Lisa and her mother were actually homeless. This eventually caused Lisa, who was only five at the time, to get put into the foster care system, bouncing from home to home. Um, she spent almost her entire childhood very scared and lonely and she said that she was very depressed growing up and described her teenage years as unbearable so by the age of 14 her grandmother had the idea that lisa should move in with her and her grandmother's boyfriend in tampa florida but her grandmother's house wasn't the safe home that she deserved either so after a very short time of lisa living with her grandmother and her boyfriend her grandmother came to Lisa and said that her boyfriend was very interested in her and was going to teach her how to please a man. Um, oh my fucking god! Yeah, it's it's. She's fourteen and 14. already like. I was just gonna say let's hell. Let's not forget that Lisa's fourteen at the time, so she had no idea what her grandmother meant by that. Yeah. Also, like it took the grandmother fourteen years to realize this, or she just you know, decided to wait almost an entire decade as she went through the foster system before being like, hey, I could take care of you. I have no idea what... What's the deal with that? I, I don't know. I, I didn't have an, enough to find about Lisa's childhood extensively, at, like as far as it goes before li moving in with her grandmother. But um, I mean, her grandmother is not a good person. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. But, um, so... Yeah. So, uh, for the next three years, um, her grandmother's boyfriend would regularly attack and rape her, sometimes with a gun to her head. And this is all with her grandmother's knowledge. So, it was a terrible situation. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. The grandma is, like, fully aware. I don't really like... know. I mean, she was, she knew it was happening. I don't know the, to the extent, but, you know, it's, it's just... I mean, she oh. described her teenagers as unbearable for a reason, you know? Yeah, that is beyond disgusting. Yeah. So by the age of 17, Lisa spent as much time as she could out of the house. When she wasn't attending high school, she would go work at her local Krispy Kreme donut shop. Um, she would ride her bike to and from every shift, and it was about an eight-minute ride each way. On November 3rd, 1984, Lisa had come to the conclusion that she didn't want to live anymore. She said at the time she felt betrayed, she felt disgusting and like a nobody. She said she had no one she could trust or tell about what was going on at home and she was just tired of living. She had written her suicide note and had made the decision to go through with it the night after her shift at Krispy Kreme. So on this day, Lisa had agreed to work a double shift, um, which meant that she would get off work at 2 a.m. Lisa didn't usually work double shifts, but she wanted to use the time to really think about if taking her life was something that she actually wanted to do. When she got off work that night, she said she felt happy as she got on her bike because she knew she was going home to end it all. She was offered a ride home by a coworker, but she said that she wanted to ride her bike home because she wanted that little bit of extra free time. She described this moment as the first time she had felt peace while on her way home. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really bleak. It's really, really tough. So on her way home, Lisa would ride past a church. And that night in particular, in the church parking lot, she noticed that there was a car parked in the middle of the lot. She thought that was really weird for some reason to be parked there in the middle of the night. And 
uh, so she, you know, remembered the car because she was like, this is strange. So she described it as a maroon car and the rear tire of the driver's side was reversed, meaning it was different than the rest of the tires. So she noticed. Hmm. Um, she said that she remembered what it looked like because for some reason it felt very odd that the car was just parked there so late. Um, and as she was riding by, she glanced back to get one more look at the car when she was knocked off her bike from behind and a gun was put to her left temple. And then she heard the gun click. What? Did it jam? No, I think it was just like a fear tactic. Oh. So, yeah. So this is terrifying to think about, but for Lisa, it actually wasn't as scary as it should have been because, you know, she had endured the same kind of fear tactic from her grandmother's boyfriend for years. So he would regularly hold a gun to her head and pull the trigger while attacking her. Um, And, you know, but she was still startled when this all happened and she was knocked off her bike and she did scream. Um, and this attack, this attacker started screaming back at her to shut up as he dragged her into the car. So she said, in this moment, every suicidal thought that she had vanished and now was in the position where she felt that she had to fight for her life. And as she was pulled into the car, she said a prayer and told the man, I'll do whatever you want. Just don't kill me. She then sees this big hunting knife in the man's car. And Lisa is thinking to herself, holy shit, this is actually happening. It's insane. So the man then ordered Lisa to strip and perform a sexual act on him. Um, Lisa said that she felt her being kidnapped was God's way of telling her that taking her life wasn't her decision. She also got really angry and realized that this man, it wasn't this man's decision either. So she fully is put into survival mode at this point. She's like, I will do anything to survive. The man then tied Lisa up with ligatures gagged her and blindfolded her but lisa thought to tighten her face and jaw as he was putting the blindfold on her that way and when she relaxed her face the blindfold would loosen so now she had a small space below the blindfold where she can see Um, lisa had been a really big fan of true crime and cop shows herself and thought about all the things they would do so you know she's no way (laughs) she's like prepared not that you know you can really be prepared but she's like a true crime person so she's like oh i i know every little thing that i should do and she did all the right things what year is this 1984 i believe 1984 yeah so this is pre-podcast yes (laughs) yeah she she watched like crime uh cop shows and like true crime documentaries i'm assuming yeah no the Um, blindfold uh to tighten your face i would have never thought of that yeah it was so smart it's so smart because she said um you know she thought about how if you like tie if you tie a a shoelace around your wrist or your hand and you like tighten it into a fist it's you know going to be tied around it tight and then when you loosen your hand it falls off so she's like i can just do that with my face And and it worked and so she was able to see a lot of what was going on around her which led to so many incredible things later on and we'll talk about that later but she's very smart and very savvy you know so this whole time she's telling herself to stay calm and see what she can do to get out of the situation so as the man pulls out of the parking lot and starts driving lisa started looking around out of the bottom of the blindfold to try to find any identifying marks in the car that she could tell the police about if she made it out alive so she saw that the car had white seats a green digital clock there was a dark red carpet and the word magnum on the dashboard 
She oh, said that that's a lot of details. There's so many more details we're going to talk about, but really? yeah, she really does the damn thing. It's, yeah, with those four things, the cops probably would have enough to identify the car for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and she knew it was um, like a maroon color too, so she's like doing it, you know. Um, she said the thing about this carpet was that it was really thick. Uh, it was a really thick red carpet, which made her believe that it wasn't supposed to be there. It was like the man put it there himself. Mm. She remembered the Magnum, uh, on the dashboard by associating it with Magnum PI. So she's like seeing all these things and she's like, how can I make an association in my brain so that I will not forget what I'm seeing? So yeah, she's like incredible. So another thing Lisa managed to do was she left behind her tampon in the car she knew that, you know, it could be traced back to her uh, if the police discovered it in her car and it, like if she was missing. No way. So yeah, she literally took out her tampon and left it in the car, which is like the most smart thing to do. I don't even, I don't know that I would have thought of that. She's I on mean, another level. She's on a whole nother level. I mean, I mean, almost everything that she does, I'm like, I wouldn't have thought of that myself. Like, that's crazy. Um, but I mean, you know, she's a survivor from the age of two, you know, like yeah. she is... She is born and raised to be a survivor, which is yeah, terrible. Yeah, she's been through this type yeah. of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's horrific and it's horrible to think about, but, like, she, like, her entire life was kind of leading up to this moment. So, so after about 15 minutes of driving, the car comes to a stop and Lisa sees a wooded area. So, in her mind, she's thinking, this is it. He's going to kill me. So, he pulls her out of the car and she starts walking towards the trees unprompted but he redirects her another way so he's not taking her into the woods to kill her he's taking her into like an apartment building but she she saw the woods and she's like okay that's where i'm going to die like i Uh yeah it's eerie and dark and i just would like to point out if i'm laughing it is because i am uncomfortable i know i say that every single time but these are not funny stories i'm just like it's crazy you know it's one of those things unthinkable yeah so Um, In her mind, you know, she's thinking he's going to kill her. So she goes there, but he pulls her away. So he's got her in a tight grip with the gun still on her and he starts bringing her up some steps. Lisa said she remembered 18 steps and on the 19th was the platform. So she's counting. She's counting the the stairs. Yeah, like she's doing everything. Um, He then brought her up to a door and opens it. She said as soon as he opened the door to this apartment, all she could smell was the overwhelming scent of fresh paint. And she said it felt very clean. Hmm. Lisa was able to notice that the, uh, her captor was not only white, but that he was left-handed and that the apartment had green flooring. Wow. So she thought to pick up his dominant hand. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's an identifier, you know, like not, know. not many people are left-handed. Yeah, I know. I mean, we keep being like, I would have never thought of that, but I'm just, I continue to be surprised. No, I'm continually in awe of Lisa McVeigh. She is the most incredible person. So um, he then led her to the bathroom where he takes off her ligatures and blindfold, but told her to keep her eyes closed and ordered her to strip. He then put her into the shower and bathed her, how she described as if he were in a romantic relationship with a girlfriend. Ugh. Um, she Disgusting. said... Yeah, she said it was really confusing because she had no idea what he was doing at this point. She said it was clear that he was, you know, acting out fantasies and whatever. And she said that she would use anything she could to get onto his good side. So she's, you know, taking note of every weird little thing he's doing to then hopefully make it her advantage later on. Yeah. 
So she asked him why he was doing this to her. And he told her that he was getting back at women in general because he had just been through a bad breakup. Oh my God. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Dude. So, I mean, there's no words, you know? Like, it's not like he's... Yeah, there, there are no words. <laughs> no. Um, so for Lisa, she's thinking, okay, great. Now I have something to play on. Um, so she takes this opportunity to treat him really well and get on his good side. So, so she did everything he asked her to do. This wasn't the only thing that she got out of the moment. Lisa also noticed that there was dark hair on the shower walls, which was just another identifier that she could use should she need it. Um, after getting out of the shower, the man sexually assaulted Lisa on the bathroom floor. She knew from her experience with abuse growing up that if she fought back, he would get mad and beat her or even worse, kill her. So after that, Lisa asked the man if she could use the bathroom. She told him that she wasn't going to pee until he closed the door, so he left her in there. Um, so alone in this bathroom, Lisa put her fingerprints on everything. The sink, the walls, the toilet, everywhere. She's like, I'm going to make myself known. If the police enter this apartment, they will find that I was here too. Right. You know? It's crazy. So after a few minutes, the man leads her out of the bathroom and into the bedroom. Lisa saw a red digital clock and a box fan. He then binds her and blindfolds her again and puts her on the bed where he runs the gun over her stomach. He says to her that it's just a reminder that he still has the gun and tells her to get some sleep. <laughs> so Get some sleep? Right. So, after that? I mean, it, this guy's clearly fucked clearly, up in the head. Yeah, so insane. Yeah, so she said throughout the night she'd hear him snore a little bit, but she wasn't sure if it was a real snore or fake and didn't want to chance it and make him mad. So she just just stayed there. She didn't move. She didn't try to get up or run away or anything. She said she knew beyond a shadow of a doubt if she attempted to run, he'd kill her. So she just focused on staying calm and trying to figure out what she could do next. This man raped Lisa repeatedly through the entire time she was with him, although she didn't focus on that because she was just concentrating on surviving. At one point, the man asked Lisa what her name was, and she told him it was Carol. He asked about her family, and Lisa actually told um, the man that her father was, like, had this disease or illness, and he, she was the only person that could take care of him. So he, she's just, like, trying to, you know, get under his skin a little bit and like be like please i'm like i'm a humanize. person yeah humanize herself he then asked her to describe the girls at school and what they looked like when they were getting dressed in the locker room lisa said she had to get to him some way so she made stuff up to gain his trust and she treated him with the respect that he was looking for so there were moments when he went into fits of rage and she said there were Moments where he was as sweet as a little puppy, but she knew that she had to keep him calm. She wanted to keep him at the, like, the same level the entire time because she knew if he was fluctuating that that was a bad thing. Right. So in the early hours of the morning, the man got out of bed and Lisa heard what she described as metal on metal, the sound of bullets falling. And she said she had no idea what he was doing and she wasn't sure if this was going to be the moment that he killed her, but she stayed calm because she knew the moment she freaked out and yelled, that would be it. So at this point, she's just frozen. She's terrified. Right, and doesn't know if this is it. Yeah, she has no idea. Because, I mean, keep in mind, she has a blindfold on the entire time. Like, she can see out of the bottom, but for the most part, she has a blindfold on. So 
Lisa said, just when you think you don't have any more inner strength left in you, just reach further. Just reach in there and grab a hold of it. So this is kind of like where her mind was at. She's like, you just gotta, you gotta keep it together because the moment you slip is the moment you die, you know? Yeah. So, um, so she's like facing possible death. Yeah. Or I, like if she screams, it's for certain. Yes. Yeah. And she said that she never screamed and she never fought him. And at one point he grabbed her hands and put them on his face. So she never saw his face with her eyes, but now she knew that he had a short, clean mustache. There was a mark on his face and he had a, and he had small ears. So she's just gathering she's every single thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she said that like this, him doing that was a, like, she knew that she was gaining his trust or he was, yes, she was gaining his trust. That's yeah. the right way to say that. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, words are hard. So this was when he brought her into the living room and sat her on the couch and turned the TV on and left the room to make her a sandwich. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just can't even imagine he's like being, she's still blindfolded, right? I think at this point she may have her blindfold off because she's able to see the TV. So, um, he's making her a sandwich. Well, yeah. So she actually spent a total of 26 hours with him. So yeah, I mean, at some point I guess he fed her, which is fine, I guess. I don't, (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's not cute. So yeah. So she's sitting in front of the TV and he's not in the room and the news came on and said that investigators were looking for a 17 year old who had been abducted, abducted off of her bike. Police found her abandoned bike about a halfway, uh, uh, hello. Police found her abandoned bike at about the halfway point between her home and the Krispy Kreme with her belongings scattered all around, um, which included her purse and a bunch of jelly donuts. So the owner of this bike was quickly identified as Lisa Rhodes. At this, t- at this time, Lisa was going by Lisa Rhodes because her grandmother's boyfriend last name was Rhodes. And that's what they told her to, that she was going to go by. They even made her call him dad in public. Ugh. So. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. She said that that was the moment that everything hit her. Reality had finally set in, and this was the first time that she had cried while she was with him. She started shaking and screaming, which sent him into a rage. Yeah. I mean, you can't hold that in forever. No, for sure not. I mean, the fact that this was the first time that she had cried yeah. while she was with him is it's like, whoa. Stunning. Yeah. Um, so he's now freaking out, uh, because she's freaking out and he put the gun to her head and said, please don't make me kill you. If you continue to cry, you're going to force me to kill you. So she hears this and a little, you know, a little light bulb goes off in her head and she's, you know, inside she's petrified. But when he said that she, she stopped crying because one, she wanted to calm him down. And two, she's thinking, okay, maybe he doesn't want to kill me. You know, he's saying, if you do this, you'll force me to kill you. So she's Mm. like, that's an interesting choice of words, you know? So at around four in the morning, the man woke up and started asking Lisa what he should do with her. Let me go. Right. Yeah. What is she going to say? So uh, (laughs) he said he had done terrible things to her, but now he doesn't know what to do with her. When he said that, Lisa's response was, I'll be your girlfriend. I'll take care of you and no one ever has to know how we met because she knows he's just gotten through a really bad breakup and he's looking for someone to treat him like, you know, he's the top dog, you know, like he's important. So she's, she's like, not going to be like, let me go, please. Because like, 
I mean, obviously. Yeah. That's actually extremely smart. It's extremely smart. She, like, gathered all that information and, like, knew exactly what he wanted. Yes. Every single step of the way, she was taking note of what he was doing, how he was reacting, everything in the room, and she was using all of that information against him to survive, which is incredible. I mean, that's... it. I can't even wrap my head around how terrifying and overwhelming that situation would be for a person and she stayed calm almost the entire time and was able to use every single thing against him which is incredible and she's 17 and she's 17 keep that in mind too that's crazy that's maturity i mean wow so yeah so she's like i'll be your girlfriend i'll take care of you no one ever has to know how we met And that's when he got really nervous and started pacing around the room and kept saying that he couldn't keep her around. That's when he gave Lisa another woman's shirt and ordered her to get dressed and he takes her outside to his car. Then he asked her where she lived, to which point she told him she lived in the Hillsborough area and he could drop her off there. So around 10 to 15 minutes later, the car stops and the man gets out and goes to a bank. So he stops at like an ATM. Um, she didn't move from the car because she felt that this was a test to see if she was serious about everything she told him. He also wasn't at the ATM for very long, so she knew that she didn't have much time to think about what to do next. And even if she did make a run for it, like, there's no guarantee she would have outrun him, you know? Right. So they start driving again. And she starts to recognize where she is. And she sees the intersection of Hillsborough and Rome, which is where she told her, where she... hello which is where she told him to drop her off but he drives past that intersection and starts to go nuts he's like he goes back into a fit of rage so he's livid he starts screaming he's cursing saying she lied to him asking her what he should do with her just you know nonsense so lisa calmly asked where they were at and when he told her she simply told him to make a u-turn and drop her off at the light and he did Wow. Yeah. She didn't like, she wasn't like, no, it's okay. Holy like, shit. She how, was, how did she keep her, con- her, her con- composure? Oh my God. Composure. How did she keep her composure? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. It's like and, this and man how would you is even like that? losing his shit and you're like, just make a U-turn and drop me off at the next light. Yeah. And he did. He did. That calmed him down. So, wow. yeah. So he grabbed her and he hugged her and he said... I'm sorry you had to go through this. Tell your father he's the reason why I didn't kill you. That's a quote. Whoa. Yeah. And then he opens the door, lets her out, tells her to wait five minutes before taking off the blindfold, and then and that he was going to let her live. So she's now out of the car. Okay, back up. So the only reason that he let her live was because of her father, her that's fictional just, father? That's just something he said. I don't know if that's true. But, but yeah, she said... It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, nothing this man I did understand, <laughs> makes but any it, sense. Was there anything that we could possibly piece together into a coherent logic? Well, yeah. I think that Lisa Did she tell him staying, something about his father or her father? Yeah. She told him that her father was really sick and that she was the only one that could take care of him. Oh, right. Yeah. But... I mean, that's not the only reason that he let her go. The reason he let her go, at least from what I can gather, is because she stayed calm. She listened to everything he said. And I mean, to the point where, you know, she understood what kind of headspace he was in. 
mm-hmm. and knew exactly what to say and what to do in order to gain his trust. So because she gained his trust, she was able to, you know, make him let her go, yeah, essentially. Yeah, it was a combination of yeah, everything. Yeah, it was a combination of so many things. She did everything right, every single thing. So, yeah, so he, he opens the door, lets her out, tells her to wait five minutes before taking off the blindfold and that he was going to let her live. So he drives off and she's still blindfolded. So Lisa is still standing there, not knowing if he's actually left or if he's standing there holding the gun at her. She doesn't know if this is still a test because she's terrified. I mean, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. Or she doesn't know if he'd change his mind and just run her over and kill her there. You know, she has no idea. So she's standing there confused and she realizes that if he did leave, he could come back for her. So that's when she takes off her blindfold and starts running. And she's terrified because she's running past cars and every single one she sees, she thinks it's him coming back to get her. Right. So she's in a frenzy. Um, But she makes it back to her grandmother's house. But unfortunately for her, this wasn't the end of her story. So... No. So... No. Yeah. So... Kidding me? No. I mean, she... This is... I know you're not (laughs) kidding me, but Jesus Christ, hasn't she been through enough? Uh, you would think, you would, I mean, yes, she has been through enough, but that doesn't mean that it's over, you know? Um, so Lisa starts pounding on the door to be let inside and her grandmother's boyfriend opens the door and grabs Lisa by the hair and throws her to the ground. So he beat her and interrogated her for the next five hours. He kept beating her and asking why she was, quote, cheating on him. So... I'm in shock. I, I don't have anything to say to that. Yeah, I know. It's horrific. It's everything that's terrible. <laughs> like It's like, yeah. Like our whole, I think this is probably the worst story we've done. It's, yeah. Probably. Probably, yeah. Easy. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's why I was Does like. Does this man get the death penalty? Like, that's where I'm at. That's where <laughs> uh, I'm at with well, this. Well, let's just stay tuned. But yeah, that's why I said in the beginning, like, I'm not excited about this story, but, like, I, you know, it's, I'm excited to tell it, you know? But, um, yeah, so this man is delusional and fucked up in the head, just like the other guy. So her grandmother, uh, who is there for all of this and witnessing him doing all of this, finally calls the Tampa police not to be like, hey, come help my granddaughter. My boyfriend is beating the shit out of her. But to be like, hey, uh, don't worry about that missing girl. She's home. And she's making up some story about being kidnapped. So she's like, she's home. Don't worry. Don't look for her anymore. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't. What kind of woman is this? I don't know. Like, who, Why? in what world is this, like, someone's thought process? So. I, I just can't even comprehend why she would do any of this, period. But, like, that, after all that. And you're the grandmother. Like, hello? Yeah, that's not family. That's just, that's, that's you know. Fucking. Evil. Know, that's evil. evil. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's like, she's home. Don't worry about her. Don't come looking for her. She's making up some story about being kidnapped. Yeah, she's making it up. I'm yeah. Sure. So the police say they still have to do an investigation. So they brought her in. They're like, um, hey, lady, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? So, uh, at the police station, Lisa tells her story to a female detective and she said her demeanor was so calm that this woman thought Lisa was lying too. Um, wow. 
Yeah, the detective wanted to go over Lisa's story about a hundred times, and finally, Lisa said to her, no, bring in someone more intelligent. <laughs> she oh literally said that to a detective, so I, I was mean, like, okay, baller, like, yeah, uh... <laughs> that's the correct response. Well, yeah. You're but... like, you, okay, you think I'm lying, right? and you're making me tell a very, very traumatic, traumatic story yeah. over and over again? What the fuck is wrong with you? Right. Like, you have to at least trust people enough to look into it and then let the facts be what they'll be. Yeah, because they... if she's lying, you're going to find out. Yeah. So there's no point in, like, this I don't believe you shit. Yeah, and like, also in what universe would she be lying? Because they found her bike and her belongings scattered yeah, everywhere. Go look in his apartment. Her fingerprints are well, everywhere. Yeah, and they're going to... tampons in his car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Her descriptions are so to the point with so many details. Yeah. How could she make that up on the spot? I don't know. I don't know. So that's why that's she was that's why she was like fucking mind blowing. It is. The detective did not believe her. I and know. then to add to that, she's like get me somebody more intelligent. Yes. Yeah. So oh uh my God. so the next day, Lisa went over her story with Sergeant Larry Pinkerton, who was in charge of sexual crimes. Um and he believed her story unsurprisingly and uh, tells one of the other detectives to call in the fbi so larry asked lisa if he would or if she would like to be hypnotized to possibly help her remember even more details but since she was 17 she needed parental permission so is her grandmother isn't it guardian because her mom's out of the picture at this point yeah like her guardian's permission which is her grandmother so uh her grandmother's boyfriend refused which larry thought was odd and that is when lisa finally confessed to the all of the abuse that she had been enduring at home um to uh which led to immediate arrest of her grandmother's boyfriend so good yeah which is good um lisa was then put in a center for runaway teens Lisa was able to recall every little detail about her abduction, which led to a huge break in the case that in a case that police had been working on for the past six months. So six months earlier, police had gotten a string of murdered women's bodies that were turning up all with the same identifying patterns around Tampa. Almost every murder victim found had a rope tied around their necks in what they described was like a leash to control the victim. Their bodies were always posed in a certain way, but the main piece of evidence that tied every scene together was the fact that each of the women had red carpet fibers found on them. So, although... Oh my god. How many? Ten. Ten? Well, at that point it was eight, but it... Yes, ten in total. Um, So... Yeah, although for months, police didn't have any lead. They they had very few bits of evidence because, you know, they're matching these, they're trying to match these carpet fibers to anything, but nothing is coming up. And they had tire tracks, but, you know, they didn't have anything really like substantial. Yeah, there was no, like, real identifying qualities to these tire tracks, so they were pretty lost up until Lisa came and told her story. So a few days later, Lisa is sitting at home watching the news and hears about the investigation into the murdered women and realizes that that is the same man that kidnapped her. She's like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is the same guy. She doesn't like have any physical proof yet, but she's like, this is him. She just knows. She knows. 
Yeah. And so she immediately calls the police and they're able to piece together every little piece of information she remembered about her abduction to start a more a more pointed manhunt. Did so, she go into hypnosis to remember all that or did she just recall it? No, I think she I mean, I don't really know. I think they did do the hypnotism, but um, I mean, she still remembered all of this, all of these little details just by herself, too. So, yeah. So now because of Lisa and because of her incredibly detailed story, they now know that they're looking for a red Dodge Magnum because in 1984, that was the only car that had the word Magnum on it. And they knew that the suspect dropped or stopped at an ATM machine before dropping off Lisa. Right. There's a paper trail. Mm-hmm. Now there's a paper trail. And Lisa remembered peeking out of her blindfold to see the words Howard Johnson, as well as the Highway 275 sign, which really narrowed the area they were focusing on. And Oh, and they have an ATM camera so they can figure out what this guy looks like. I don't know if they had a camera, but they definitely... So they subpoenaed all of the records from the banks in that area and they were able to compile a list of names. So one team read out the list of names of people who had red Dodge Magnums in the area, and the other team read out a list of names from the people that used the ATM machines that were in the area and were able to come up with a common name. That name was Robert Joseph Long, or Bobby Joe Long. Bobby Joe Long was a 31-year-old unemployed x-ray technician and had a history of violence against women. Unsurprising. Unsurprisingly. Bobby's ex-wife, Cindy, said that he had a motorcycle accident, and that's when everything changed in Bobby. He started choking her, beating her, and verbally abusing her. His doctor said that it was all due to the head injury, and as time went on, it would get better. But for Obviously s- not. Obviously not, and it actually only got worse. So... Yeah. But his ex-wife, like, was able to divorce him So uh, yeah, I'm gonna, soon enough. Yeah, yeah. The, the little, I'll finish the little blurb about his ex-wife. So um, one night, uh, Cindy said that she came home from work and they got into a terrible argument. And the next thing she knew, he had choked her and slammed her head against the TV. So she was all bloody and he told her to go to the hospital. So she drove herself to the hospital where she was questioned about potential domestic violence. When the cop told her that he was going to arrest Bobby, she begged him not to because he was with their children and he told her that he would kill her if something like this ever happened. Whoa. So the cop said that he'd give her a week and if she hadn't filed for divorce by then, he would arrest Bobby. He told her that if Bobby was doing that extensive amount of abuse, he would very likely kill her and possibly her children one day. So she did contact an attorney and filed for divorce soon after that. But because of that, nothing ever happened with Bobby because no charges were ever pressed against him, so he was free to go. So back to the investigation. Two detectives spotted a red Dodge Magnum and told the driver that they were working a robbery and would need to take a Polaroid picture of him. So he got out of the car, and they took a picture of him, and then they let him go. What? So... They needed to, like, get a picture of him for, you know, identification purposes and, like, to make sure that that was actually him because they didn't have anything on this specific person, so they couldn't, like, I don't think they could bring him in. Or if they did, I I don't know if they could have held him. It was, like, they had to just take the picture, I guess. Yeah, I'm just wondering what the strategy is here. So, like, they have a name and a car description, but they don't know what the suspect looks like. Correct. So they're going to take a picture of him, take it back to her, So she can identify him and Mm -hmm. then go arrest him. Okay. Yes. So they then put the picture 
around five other photographs and showed them to Lisa to see if she could identify him. She immediately said that she was able to tell that that was their guy. She said she was 110% sure. Yep, let's go. So now, now that they have, uh, wait, (laughs) so now that they were sure that this was their guy, they started monitoring his comings and goings. They saw him stuffing things into a big green trash bin outside of his home and draining his waterbed like he was planning to leave town. So detectives were able to obtain a search warrant for Bobby Joe Long's apartment and car where they found Lisa's fingerprints all over his bathroom. And they found the red carpet on the floor of his car, which matched the fibers found on all of the the murder victims, uh, including Lisa. I mean, she wasn't a murder victim, but it was also on Lisa's clothing. So on November 16th, 1984, investigators arrested Bobby Joe Long and they finally arrested him outside of a movie theater 12 days after abducting Lisa. And by that time, he had already killed two more women. Wow. Yeah. Two? Mm-hmm. I'm speechless. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know if you're waiting for me to say no, something. I, just... I, have, I have nothing. Sure. <laughs> just um, what the fuck? Yes. Uh, so during his interrogation, he confessed to the abduction and rape of Lisa McVeigh and said that he had a real tug of war with himself about what to do with Lisa because he let her go because he didn't want to hurt her. Okay. Okay, what a good guy. uh, (laughs) Let's think about the logic of that statement. Yeah, right. (laughs) It doesn't really make sense. You didn't want to hurt her? Funny, because all you did was hurt her. Anyway, um, then... perplexing. Then the detective showed Bobby all of the other photographs of the murdered women, and he confessed to killing them as well. He was like, yep, I killed them. Simple as that. matter of fact. Yep. Bobby Joe Long was responsible for at least 10 murdered women around the Tampa area in 1984. So Bobby was sentenced to four 99-year sentences, 28 life life sentences, and one death sentence. I don't know. 28 life sentences? Yeah, I don't really know exactly how they got to that number, but I mean, it's probably a combination of every terrible thing he's ever done. Um, and he was sentenced to death. Okay, so don't disagree with that one, but it is... (laughs) Yeah, out of all of the sentencing we've ever heard on this podcast, like, that's the one you're like, you know what? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. That's good. Yeah, you know, actually, you know what? They should have given him 30 life sentences. Just, like, one extra. Just for, like, good luck, you know? Yeah. Um, Wait, so... So, four four Mm -hmm. 499-year sentences. Correct. Back to back. 28 life. And then one... One death. One death. Yep. So can I ab- give him more than one death? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Really? I think they can charge him to death over more than one case, but they only ended up charging him to death for one of them. I think for because one of them? because I think I'm if I could be wrong, and I I'm I'm not smart, but if I, I'm joking, I'm smart, but You're a little. I'm a little smart, yeah, but like, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. That's true. Yeah. So I could be wrong, but I think. Even if you're charged to death, there is still potential sometimes to get that reversed. So, Mm. like, just like, you know, you can give someone more than one life sentence. You can appeal. You can appeal at some some point. So, you know, tacking on more than one life sentence just makes it that much harder to be able to get out of a life sentence or a death sentence or something Right, you have to litigate more. Yeah, so he is fucked with a capital f you know like he's done so as he should be 
as he should be, as he should be. Um, so after this whole ordeal, Lisa was able to, or after this whole ordeal, Lisa was about to age out of the runaway center and then went to go live with her aunt Carol and uncle Charlie, who she said were the only people who ever showed her love. So finally, wow. Lisa is in a safe, happy environment. So she, she, this is her uncle? Her, her aunt and uncle. Yes. Aunt Carol and uncle Charlie. Question? Yes. I'm raising my hand. Yes. Where were they? I don't know. For the past almost two decades? Well, if you think about it, they didn't know. Excuse me. Along with... Where were they? Well, nobody knew what was going on at her grandmother's house. And, you know... Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah, stop me. I get that. But... Yeah. She was in the foster system when she was five, nine years before she started living with her grandmother. Where were they then? I don't know. When she was two years old, being yeah. abused by her mother? Yeah. And Where were you people. then? Yeah. Where were you? I understand why you're upset. Where were you? Yeah. 15 years later. At least you came at all. Yes. But where were you? Yeah. I, Where'd I, you go? I understand why you're upset. However, I am happy that Lisa found a home where she was loved at all. Yes. You know. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, stop. <laughs> Don't say but. Anyway. No? Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So she's with her Aunt Carol and Uncle Charlie and she is finally safe. So thank the Lord. Yes. So, uh, but now she said there was no holding her back. She's like, that is everything I needed. So, okay. Uh, this is super strange because had this not happened, she probably would have killed herself. Yes. Right. Yeah. She, yes. She had her suicide note written. And also when she got home from this whole ordeal with Bobby Joe Long, uh, when her grandfather or her grandmother's boyfriend was beating her, she said that if the police didn't look into it further with her, she would have ended her life. She was like, you know, once I was back in that situation, like that took my survival yeah. away. Like oh. she's like, I don't want to live anymore. But then the police Who would took her in. would want to have that reality? No, of course. So then the police took her in and then she was like, you know what? That's it. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And that was, you know, it gave her her life back yeah you know oh who is that detective who didn't believe her the female detective not like no less like yeah. i don't know no i know it's crazy you know i don't I mean? have a name but we do have sergeant larry pinkerton who is an incredible thank, guy yeah thank for him yeah not so happy about the other one no definitely not um so she went on to work some odd jobs until she got a job at the Hillsborough County Department of Parks and Recreation in 1995. And in 1999, Lisa, who had a seven-year-old daughter at the time, got a lateral transfer to be a dispatcher in the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. So now oh, wow. she is a deputy. Or, yes, I think she's a deputy. But she, uh, she basically vowed that day that she would never let something like that ever happen to someone on ever her again. watch yeah on yeah. Her, yeah so because during the investigation yeah. when bobby Jolong was convicted she basically begged the detectives to let her see the photos of the murdered women because she's like i needed to see it um in order to like you know have that fire really be like ignited in my stomach and like have the guts i guess no not the, the guts but the drive to go on and like become a police officer so um so she became a reserve deputy to make sure 
that it was the right fit in 1999. But in 2004, she put herself through the police academy and she's been in the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office for 17 years and a school resource officer for seven. Wow. So she works with middle school aged kids and she said, they know I'm mama bear. Nobody messes with my kids and they know that. Um, Lisa tells her story to anyone who will listen, even the kids, because she wants them to learn from it. She tells them that if anyone ever tries to grab them, to scream as loud as you can, and if you get taken away, you do whatever you can to survive. She teaches them to be strong and draw on their own sense of self-preservation, which is incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Just a moment for that. (laughs) That is incredible. Yeah, she's, that's amazing. Yeah, she's an amazing woman. Yeah, Yeah. this is great work she's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, earlier when I, like, brought up that she probably would have killed herself, like, uh, if this hadn't happened. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't, like, how does she see the event? Like, because I don't think it would be crazy if she was, like, weirdly thankful in some way because had this not happened, she wouldn't be here. She wouldn't have gone on to help all those children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did say that. I mean... Like, how does she view what happened? I mean, she, I don't, I don't. Are you just not sure? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if she would use the word thankful. I, she did say something about that in the, um, in that episode that I mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, of this, but yeah, she did say that everything that she endured in her life made her as strong of a person as she could possibly could be and helped her to go on to then help children and save other people's lives and i think she is thankful for that you know right um yeah thankful is not the right word but do you see what i'm trying to get at there yes definitely very strange i don't know relationship with what happened yeah i mean it gave her she said as soon as she was you know struggling with Bobby Joe Long to like be put in the car. She was like, that's when I lost my, my want to die. She's like, then I want us to survive. And she did everything she could. So she just used that entire experience to find her strength that she already had, but you know, even more so. Mm -hmm. And now she can pass it on to anyone she comes in contact with. And she does. So got goosebumps. I know it's, it's so crazy. So she even said like, when one of her like little kids uh, that she works with is having a bad day, like she'll tell them her story and be like, you know, I like this, this woman went through this and she survived and she found her strength and she became a police officer and she's standing in front of you today. So, you know, you can, you'll, you'll be okay. Yeah. Kind of thing. So. Wow. Yeah. Could you imagine like coming in? For some like stupid reason, you're having a bad day and right. then having this story told to you. Yeah, like, it how, really, really puts like, it you into go perspective. Home and you're like, wow, holy shit, I am so grateful. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, because it's so easy to take things for granted. It's so easy to forget how good you have it until yeah. someone comes along and like really puts it into perspective. Yeah. It's like imagine some someone coming in like, oh, they were out of this pistachio latte at Starbucks. <laughs> She's like. Do I have a fucking story for you? <laughs> Boy, do I have a story I'll for you. Smack you upside the face. <laughs> no, I don't think she ever, like, you You know, was upset no, 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 at I, people. I, 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 know, I know. I know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just an incredible story. So Bobby Joe Long sat on death row for 34 years um, while his attorneys attempted to appeal his, you know, sitting on death row. But 34. On 34 That's a long years. long time. Yeah. 
Um, but on May 23rd, 2019, Lisa McVeigh sat in the witness room at Florida State Prison and watched Bobby Joe Long die of lethal injection. Wait, so he died May 23rd. two years ago now? Yeah. Right? Yes. This is like, yeah, this is pre-COVID. Yeah. Wow, that's recent. Yes, yeah. Um, and to witness his execution, Lisa wore a homemade t-shirt that read, quote, long dot 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 overdue. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No <laughs> it's shit. very long overdue. Yep. It's about <laughs> 34 years overdue. Yeah. Um, but that is the story of Lisa McVeigh. Whew. Wow. Take a breath, everyone. Take a breath. <laughs> Inhale. Exhale. Yep. And he's still serving his back-to-back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back to back 28 life sentences. No, he's dead. Yeah. He's well, dead. Yeah. Dead and gone. Dead and gone. <laughs> Good riddance. Um, yeah. So, any any closing thoughts for this story? Yeah, her spirit is inspiring. Yes. To say the least. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's like, I, I just can't believe that she went through, I don't know, I can't think of much worse of a situation for any human being to be no. in and then to go on and become a cop and like really fight to have this not happen to anyone ever again. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's something else. And it's, it's so crazy to think about like the day she was kidnapped was the day that she planned to take her life. So, like, whatever you believe in, God, fate, like, the universe, whatever, like, that is something. That is yeah. something incredible. And, like, obviously, it is horrific and, and like, unimaginable the things that she went through. But she came out the other end so much stronger and is only helping people in her life. And mm. that is incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. I, ha- I don't have enough good words to say about Lisa McVeigh. Who yeah. I believe at this point goes by Lisa Noland because she's now married and took her married name. Oh, good for her. Yeah. So, yeah, that is her story, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, do you guys? Uh, do you have anything uh, good about this week? Do I have anything good? Anything good? Since it's Valentine's Day, you're my good thing oh, this week. Blah. Boy. There was no other answer for that one. <laughs> Well, you're going to make me look bad. Scored. I took your thunder. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, I was going to say, actually, my good thing is also relating to Valentine's Day, but my good thing was that my mom sent me uh, chocolate-covered strawberries. Yep. So. Amen. You're good, too. You're good, too. (laughs) You know, you're cool, too. But am I as good as, like, fresh? You're... Dark chocolate-covered strawberries. You're a close second. I'm... A close second. Yep. Yep. I'm <laughs> okay, I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, if you guys would like to follow along with the pictures and links we post for the cases, follow us on Instagram at notodaypodcast, or nottoday underscore podcast, sorry. Boom. Um, if you or anyone you know has a story, like I mentioned at the beginning, please send us an email at notodaypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on TikTok at notodaypodcast. We post uh, videos of our stories and we're going to post other fun things. We got a lot of things planned. Um, thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a happy Valentine's Day and a happy week, you know, whatever. <laughs> Valentine's Day is everything. Uh, and just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. 